Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming up, we broke down all things first base. The full overview of first base for the upcoming 2024 fantasy baseball season. The consensus number one is clear, and I think it's a great choice. But how about after that? Would you rather have Matt Olson or Pete Alonso? We battled it out on that and so much more. We talked all things first base, sleepers, worst value, best value, everything we usually do in first base, and some great prospects as always. All that and a whole lot more coming up next on the Just Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Just Fantasy Baseball. My name is Rami Lavi. That's Vince D'Amato. And Vince, texted you this earlier, but I feel like I talk to you now more than I talk to my own mother. So how's that going for you? Yeah, same. I think my parents have told me they've been listening to my stuff, but I guess I we'll find out now know that I even do this show. <laughs> I guess we'll find out when I get a text tomorrow. Um, yeah, I, I probably I talk to you and my other buddies more than I talk to them. So sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. But, you know, this is fun stuff. So. Yeah, my father said to me, he's like, yeah, I get the former Jet that you talk to. You know, he's a former Jet. But the other guy, like, what is he? I'm like, he's great at fantasy baseball. I'm going to win some leagues this year. So uh, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, you should be listening to us also and trying to listen to us more than you talk to your own parents because Vince is going to win you some leagues and I'm just here for the ride. And hopefully it would be fun if I beat you at fantasy baseball this year with the advice that you give. That would be really fun. That would do it for me. If you beat me, we should we'll have a whole episode where we'll flip. I'll run the show a little bit and then I'll ask you advice. Say, you know, what does it feel like to be on top of the mountain on top of all the peasants or something, you know, and uh, we'll just we'll, we'll do a little shtick. That could be the show next year. Yeah. I mean, when I beat you, um, that'll be the show. So it, it's funny. I'm so confident because I like was like seventh place in my league last year. No, I feel like we're deep enough in the podcast that people might like it already by now that I could say that, or maybe I'll just cut that out. But I did have a question because um, I, and I'm good at fantasy baseball. I promise I'm good at it. I'm just not as good as you. We I know. Think. I no, you're, yeah. you're good. We don't know yet. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out. Exactly. Um, the question I wanted to ask you was that 
I, I was thinking about this because I was looking at a guy. At, guys, we're talking about first base today. In case you're wondering, first base is the topic of the day. And I was looking at guys in the category. And there are guys like, you know, Bryce Harper or Christian Walker, who we'll get to, who are really solid across the board. But they're not hitting 50 homers like a guy like Matt Olson. They're not going to, you know, bat 330 like Freddie Freeman. But they'll just be solid. 275, 25 homers maybe throw in 10, 15 stolen bases, you know, 80 runs, 80 RBI, something like that. Versus a guy who's going to bat 210, hit 50 bombs, and drive in 130 runs. Do you, I mean, I guess it depends on how you structure your team, but would you rather kind of balance out some guys where you have some guys great in some categories, some guys great in other categories, or be solid across the board? And I feel like if you're solid across the board, sometimes you end up just sucking in some categories, no? Yeah, and... You know, I guess first base is typically a power position, right? You're not going to get a lot of speed from a first baseman anyway. So I think if you're concerned about speed, you should probably be attacking it elsewhere. You know, don't look for your first baseman to to lead your team in steals, right? So I I definitely want to pick up some power when I'm looking at first base. And I think the thing that I want to do as well that we talked about last episode is those counting stats are are sometimes so hard to come by. So finding guys on good teams or that are going to hit in the middle of a you know, semi-decent lineup like Tristan Casas, for example. Like the Red Sox aren't phenomenal all around, but they have a pretty good two-thirds, first half, two-thirds of the lineup. So that's the situation I want to be all over. So yeah, I, I again it depends on how your first few picks go. It depends on who falls. I think that's why the tier list is important, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of ways you can go here. Yeah, and, and it goes beyond this category because it depends. If you're playing categories, then you really have to draft for certain categories, right? Because you want to be really strong. And then it's like, okay, I'm willing to punt on these two categories to win consistently in these few categories every time. Whereas if you're playing points, it's different, right? So, I mean, I don't know what leagues you're in. Do you have leagues that are points leagues? Do you have leagues that are category leagues? How does that work for you? Most of my stuff is categories. I've done points and I will do an auction this year as well. I've done best ball. So I kind of do all over the place, but I do typically play in categories. And when you play in categories, sometimes being kind of average at every category or solid at every category can actually hurt you because you have none of those categories that you're consistently winning, right? Yeah. Although, I mean... I'm not, I'm not going to, because I, I would rather be solid across the board because I think a lot of times the, the thing that will put you over the top is being vigilant throughout the year. And I think that's so important, right? Like you can have a great draft, but if you don't pay attention to your team, you're not going to win. You're, you're not going to make playoffs because so many things change throughout the year. Guys get hot, guys get cold. So for me, I want to be solid because I know that I'm going to be vigilant and, and on top of waiver wire stuff, I'm going to be looking at streamers. So I plan to beat people that way as opposed to trying to outdraft them and outskill them all the time too. So I think that's important to, to recognize. Got it. And, and I just had this issue last year where I felt like I was really good at every category, but never great at any category. And I hovered around the middle of the league the entire year because I was just, I was average every single week. I was just average. I was smack in the middle. And then at the end of the year, I fell off a little bit, but that also happens when, you know, you realize you might be out of a playoff spot, but I was just, you know, hanging between the three and seven spot the whole season. And it was just like, that's kind of where you are. If you're average at everything, I didn't have that one category where I was just killing it. And, and I think that kind of hurt me, but what will be interesting is we'll follow along. We could each use our own strategy and we'll see what happens at the end of the year. Like we said, the other thing is, 
we talked about third base already. We did it on last episode. And do we need to reconsider third base? Because the consensus top three guy who we both love, obviously, is Rafael Devers. And some photos have emerged. And I love the overreactions to this as every year. I mean, this is every year, every sport, really football and baseball most, where there's such a long period before the season starts, where there's such a long training camp and preseason and football. And obviously in, in baseball, there's spring training and pitchers and catchers. You know, the Giancarlo Stanton stuff where he looks like a twig, right? And it's like overreaction. Nestor Cortez struck out Juan Soto three times today. I don't know if you saw that. Brian Hope took the video. We're recording this on Tuesday, by the way. This is probably Thursday's episode, but we're recording this on Tuesday, so that's why I say today. Um, and people love overreacting. You know, you have at least 10 guys who say, I'm in the best shape of my career. That's always the thing that comes around, usually with guys on the back end of their career saying that, who are not really going to have the best season of their career. But one of the pictures that's making the rounds and people are freaking out about is Rafael Devers looks like he freaking ate Rafael Devers, or as you said, he looks like he ate the entire New York Yankees. Does that concern you? He's generally a chubbier guy. I don't know. Does that change your feelings? Do we need to revisit third base at all? No. I mean, I haven't watched any film of him. I think that's where it's more important, but I, he's pictures been so can good be for so long. Yeah, yes. pictures can be doctored. And also just the angle sometimes, you know, you, you ever take a bad, I know Rami doesn't ever take bad pictures, right? But you take a bad picture and you're like, oh, do I really look like that? Like that happened. Actually, I mean, you've only you know. seen me through a computer screen. So you've only seen my good sides. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not worried about it because it, it, you know, that's the same type of thing as do you take it for, you know, meaning something or do you take value in when guys come in and they say, I'm in the best shape of my life? Well, no, because they're supposed to say that. So like, that's about the same type of valuation that I'm going to give that picture because I just, I think Rafi's track record speaks more than one picture floating around. That's for sure. True. Speaking of value, let's start with the best value at first base. Who do you have for your best value? And while you do that, I'm going to look up my ADP. Cause again, for some reason I can't figure out how to look up ADP before we actually start recording. It's just a flaw that I have. So, uh, yeah. I have two guys, and I know where they are kind of ranking in the first base market, but I don't know what their ADP is. So go ahead with your best value at first base. Yeah, I, I love your picks. I'm very excited to hear um, some stuff that you have prepared for them because I think those are great picks. But I went with the guy that I mentioned just two minutes ago, Tristan Cassis. He is being picked at 104 on average right now. If you ask me, I and some people do, some people don't, but <laughs> that is insane value i mean i value tristan casas as already i mean because again i play dynasty so i value him as probably around top five top six dynasty first baseman already i think the guy is like the next big slugging first baseman probably will be a top three to five first baseman just this time next year like i see him leapfrogging so many guys that are ahead of him like i mean you're drafting spencer steer ahead of him christian walker paul goldschmidt like there's no way to me that Casas is going to have a worse year than them. He, especially, I mean, and you know, Rami, you've talked about this before. Do you take any stock in the second half? Well, Casas last year didn't have the greatest first half, but his underlying stuff was just screaming that something was coming. And second half, it, it finally took off. He had 15 home runs in just 54 games, his last 54 games. And he was top 8% in expected Woba. So um, Woba just meaning like, Essentially, not all hits are created equal, right? Some hits are better than other hits. And so he was in the top 8% of just the best hits in all of baseball. 
he only struck out at a 23% clip, walked at a 14% rate. He doesn't chase. He hits the ball super hard. Again, I mentioned he hits in a pretty good Boston Red Sox lineup. I think he's going to hit for power. I think he's going to score a lot or hit in a lot of RBIs. And I think he's just a very mature hitter for his age. I looked at Tristan Casas for a while, too, because everything you just said, second half of the season, and at that ADP, that is good value. I, I like that. And he was a guy who I ultimately didn't pick him because a little bit of that, okay, what happens now where it's like, okay, now it's expected. Now it's a full season. I don't love their lineup. Just a couple of issues there. But the upside, like you said, is all the way there for all the reasons you mentioned. So I think it's a great pick. For me, I have two. And the first one, it's not so much about where he's ranked as first baseman because we know it's top heavy, but he's just so different than any other first baseman. And that's Bryce Harper. Remember, he's coming off an injury last year. And yet still, and again, I am totally biased. I met Bryce Harper when he was 18 years old and I was down in D.C. I used to spend the summers in a suburb of Washington, D.C. That's where my parents are from. I met him. He was wearing a Don't Be a Clown Bro t-shirt after going to Toronto. I don't know if you remember that when they asked him. Um if he's going to drink because he's now legal drinking age in Toronto when the nationals played up there. And he's like, that's a clown question. So he wore like the don't be a clown bro t-shirt that he made to the, to the ballpark. Super cool guy. I've met him a few times after that. I always loved Bryce Harper, always a big Bryce Harper fan, but the fact that he's comes back off an injury comes back in the middle of the year and his on base percentage is 400. He still hits 21 home runs. He steals 11 bases. You think he's going to get more than that. I like their lineup. And to think that, I saw the ranking I saw. I saw you have him. We'll get to that a little bit later. You have him higher, but I saw him as like the fourth or fifth best, you know, ranked first baseman in the league. To me, that's crazy. This is a guy who's going to do something so different. You know, he's going to get on base. He's going to hit for average, steal bases and hit home runs. He just is the profile of an outfielder, but he's now playing first base, which is what he is. You know, he's an outfielder that was moved to first base and he's still in the prime of his career. It's not like He's losing any of his prime. It just happens to be they moved him to first base for defensive reasons, and that's their reasoning. But if you could get a guy who's profiling as a really great outfielder at first base, like, why not? And so I, I like that. It's kind of an interesting niche value pick. He is going at 21. So he has a consensus, one of the best players. That's the ADP I'm seeing here. That is the consensus, one of the top 20 players in the league, right? Top 21 players in the league. But I think he is that good. I think, you know, a prime Bryce Harper season can be a, top 10 player in the league and can win you a league. Yeah. I mean, just real quick, I'll, I'll say the same thing that you just, I'll echo it, but I'll also, you know, I expect him to be a great hitter until he's 35, 36, 37. Like he's just, he's a different. He's going to, this is his age 31 season. He's not old. He's been around for 15 years, but he's not that old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you nailed it on the head. I, I would take him probably top 15 pretty easily. I wouldn't even bad an eye. Like if that's your, if you're in a 12 man league and that's your second pick or even late, you know, late first round, I'm no problem with it at all. And now another guy, and we talked about this team a lot on last episode, but his, uh, I see his ADP at about 113. So a little bit higher than Casas is Spencer Torkelson. I think he's like the 14th ranked. Uh, you have him a lot higher than that, but I think some people have him even lower at, at uh, as far as ranked first baseman. He's going to be really good this year. Again, a guy who's going to play every day in a lineup that they need guys to play every day. He had a massive jump last season and becoming a full-time player. He's going to have another huge year. Spencer Torkelson, I think, is going to be, in my opinion, I think he's going to be better than Vlad Guerrero this year. I think he could be better than Bellinger this year. I think we're looking at him by the end of the year as the top five first baseman in the league and getting him later as kind of like the back half or like 10 
best first baseman in the league, or like I said, 113 at his ADP. To me, that's great value for Spencer Torkelson. I love that. Yeah, 16 home runs in his final 48 games. Like, that's yep. phenomenal. You know, guys, guys got 30, 35 home run pop, which is interesting. We love you, the second half, guys. We do. We do. And it's interesting that you said Torkelson, because I thought I remember you saying that you don't like the Tigers or you don't think the Tigers are going to be good. And I don't dislike the Tigers. I have family in Michigan. I don't dislike the Tigers. I don't. I think their lineup's not going to be that good. But I think there is opportunity there. And give me a guy who's proven and not a guy who's going to come up from the minor leagues and like, hey, we're hoping he's going to be good. Spencer Torkelson has, you know, a full year of Major League Baseball under his belt. I think he was he played part of the year the year before, correct? Um, mm -hmm. This guy's been there, and he's going to be batting third, fourth in their lineup, right? He's middle of the order guy right away, right off the bat. I think he is the best player on the team now, now that obviously uh, Miguel Cabrera is gone. This guy could be the next face of the franchise. I, I don't know. I, I like him. All right. All right. I was just, I was just asking. I'm just curious. They need a face of the franchise. I think it's going to be Torgelson. Um, for worst value, you're going to hate mine. So uh, give me yours first. Yeah, I don't like yours at all. We'll, 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 we'll talk about it. But um, yeah, I picked, I, I did grab two of them and they're kind of similar profiles. Um, I have Paul Goldschmidt. I see his ADP right now at about 76. That is just way, way too high for me. I mean, he had his worst offensive season in years, um, his career low OPS um, as well, not including his rookie year. But I'm just not willing to take the gamble that this isn't like an age decline. Like he's 36, there, right? Yeah, but is there anyone who is, is my question. Is there anyone out there who still thinks, oh, I'm going to get a, a Paul Goldschmidt, prime Paul Goldschmidt season out of Paul Goldschmidt? Well, no, but when you're drafting him 76th, I think there's guys much late. Like, I would take Cassis. I would take Torkelson. I would take five guys, six guys that are behind him instead of him at 76. I'd take Christian Walker. Like, there's just no world where I'm going to be the guy in my room who likes Paul Goldschmidt the most. Like, somebody's always going to like him and say, oh, this is such a steal. He's usually picked 76, and they'll take him at 90, and they'll say, oh, I got a great deal. Eh. I, I just, I don't know if I buy it. Again, I think there's going to be some continued regression. He also put up the lowest amount of runs and RBIs since 2014 last year, which is just, that's where I think is the more concerning part. Now, I know the Cardinals weren't as good. They're hoping to be better, but they have a lot of question marks. They have a lot of things. He doesn't even really steal answer. bases anymore. So yeah. like, that was one of the things that gave him value at first base was he was stealing bases where other first basemen weren't. And maybe that would make up for the lack of home runs compared to the top first baseman. You know, maybe he was sitting more 25, 30 as opposed to 30 to 40. Right. And it's like, oh, well, he's going to hit, hit. He's going to steal bases. He's not even doing that anymore. He's slower. I, I'm with you. And I just looked it up on, on here. Yeah, he's I see him even higher on fantasy pros right now. He's at like 63. Yahoo has him at 49. So there's ridiculous no that there's just no yeah way. It, yeah i agree with you 100 i can't do it so and that was one and then my other one um was salvador perez i i we probably could have included him in the catchers episode but i think maybe we'll touch on him there but um he is first base eligible um currently at pick one is it possible can, can mm -hmm. i just ask you yeah. that he's valuable as a catcher but not valuable as a first baseman yeah, and maybe maybe we should save some of it for the catcher because I think you're you're absolutely right. He probably does bring more value as a catcher because that's what people you know need a little bit more of. Although catcher's pretty deep this year, I don't want to I don't want to 
speculate on that. A I little think people, foreshadowing, yes. I just want to make sure that people don't expect another, you know, 40 home run season from Salvador Perez because I think this is similar to what I just said about Goldschmidt. I do think there's some age-related decline here. And so the thing that also just scares me with him is his profile is already like teetering on the brink of like you could collapse very, very quickly if things don't, you know, if you don't hit the ball perfectly, like he, he is, he was in the bottom one percentile in both walk rate and high chase rate. So he doesn't walk. He chases a lot of pitches. Like you have to have a lot of things go right for you to put up a good fantasy season. And at pick 131, there's not a chance I'm touching him there. Before we get to my worst value, for a second, Christian Encarnacion Strand, you love the Reds. And I, I tweeted at you today because I'm like, if you bring him up, I'm I'm unsubscribing from the podcast. <laughs> the guy had a ridiculously uncharacteristic high average on balls in play. Like the guy, I get it with him, but I, I, I'm staying away. What what do you say for him, CES, as you call him uh, so fondly? I'm shocked he's not on your list of players that you definitely are drafting it's it's the price i mean that's what it boils down to right now i see him at 144 that's even a little high for me i i trust in him long term but if i want the value this year i just the signing of candelario just scares me like i think he's so much better than candelario and in my mind i think he sh- he'll get playing time and he'll get he should get 600 plate appearances but i just i don't know i i absolutely don't know and at pick 145, there's too much value there for me to take that kind of gamble. Like he could very easily end up with 400 plate appearances. And, you know, the lack of consistent playing time, we've seen guys who, if they don't play every day, they're not as effective. Right. And so if he's not in the lineup six days a week, if he's in four or five, maybe most weeks, I think that could hurt his value quite a bit. Yeah. I can't so. wait till we get to DH because I'm all over Giancarlo Stanton. I'm uh, <laughs> just from okay. seeing him with how skinny he looks uh so i just wanted to blurt that out there my worst value and this is what you don't like is matt olson i don't buy it i don't buy the leap look at the you think he just jumped 20 homers his batting average jumped 20 points like year over year it just doesn't make sense to me that he's gonna keep that up another guy who's who's uh batting average on balls in play was ridiculously high his batting average jumps 40 points his on base percentage jumps 60 points the guy has what actually 20 more home runs once he like that doesn't make any sense to me that he's going to keep that up it's not who he's ever been and for one year he was that and i get it now he's going to be 30 years old and this is supposedly the prime of his career and he's in a great lineup i I just we saw one uncharacteristic jump from him i i don't know i think freddie's much better than him i take alonzo over him i take harper over him there's guys i take ahead of him that i think he's just gonna revert back to who he's been his entire career prior to this one season. I, I, I'll allow you to say you could take Harper over him. Alonzo, there's just, there's, I can't do it. And, and Alonzo's going to hit 50 home runs. His batting average on balls and play Alonzo this year was 206. Like the guy is like, was wickedly unlucky. You know what Matt I mean? Olsen just did hit 50 home runs. And once and he's a 30 home run guy, though, he's not a 50 home run player. I think again, maybe this and, and I'll, I'll share this too. 80 um, batting average. Like, I don't know. Well, no. So his XBA was 263. I think he's probably closer to that than his 280. And I'll own up to that. But I think he already had phenomenal power. 
the thing that I think is most valuable, and I don't have the number in front of me, so give me two seconds, but it's his RBIs and runs. Again, being on the best 139 and 127. Yep. No, you it's just, stupid. You're not going to get that from Pete, uh, Pete Alonso. I almost said Pete. No, Wilson. that's true. Yeah, 139 and 127, you're not going to get from almost anyone in the league. Like exactly. Those, those production numbers, runs, and, I, and when I say production numbers, I'm usually looking at RBIs, runs scored. Yeah, that that's, I mean, those and are ridiculous. I just, if I could further my point one more step, and then I'll, I'll stop because I'm a huge Matt Olson fan. I have Matt Olson in a dynasty league. I was literally today, someone sent me a trade offer for him. They offered Pete Alonso, Camilo Duvall, one of the best relievers in the game, and then two, the first round and a second round pick for next year's first year player, all just for Matt Olson. So, oh man, I would make that trade if I were you. I don't know if I'm going to because Dude, you those runs to. and RBIs are just. And it's not like Pete Alonso is, you know, any younger. He's a year younger. Like that yeah. doesn't really matter for me in terms right. of a first baseman that. slugging. So I I get what you're coming. I get where you're coming from. He took a big leap, but I don't think this leap was just unjustified. I think it, it was there. I think it was just finally kind of unlocked and we finally saw a little bit more of it. So some realized potential. I'll take potential it. Yeah. Spot. I'll take him I, again. I think you he can will leave be him. Great. Yeah, no, I think he'll be great. I just think he'll get overdrafted. You know what I mean? I think people are going to jump on him like he's a top three, four guy in the draft. I don't know what his ADP is. Do you have it in front of you? Yeah, so his ADP is second. He's the second first baseman off the board at 16. And his min pick, I don't always take this into account, but he was drafted second overall in one draft, at least. His min pick is two. That's too high for me. I, I, I'll i agree with you on that. He's but. not top 10 in the league. I, I don't know. He's not top 10 like overall. Maybe at first base, he sure, for sure is, yes. I don't think he's a top 10 pick in the league. No, I I don't know if I'd go top 10 either, but top 15, 20 ish. That's where I'm comfortable. And you're not apparently, I, I don't know where you thought he was going or if where, where would you take him? Where would you feel comfortable taking him then? No, I would take him in the 20 range. Yeah. 20, 25. Like I just think that it, when you look across the league, we talk about how deep the league is. There's so many guys who are like, again, and, and if you're looking at um, like a price on for, for a, for uh obviously um if you're paying for uh, an auction league mm -hmm. to me he's gonna go for top dollar right 40 something dollars average something like that and you're talking about other guys in that category or julio rodriguez and obviously uh, uh bobby witt and some of these guys i just don't think he's there with them i think he's a step below that that's that's what i'm saying like He's right around the same spot as Pete Alonzo and Bryce Harper in my book. I just don't think he's head and shoulders above. When we talk about tiers, I don't think he's God tier. I think he's that really good tier. That's all. Okay. All right. All right. Like he's an upper class we'll, tier. I just, we'll just don't think he's the God disagree. tier. We'll disagree. And then. If, and, and we'll see what happens. We'll What's see. great about this podcast is that everything will be known. Because this is public no for everyone. There's no secrets. The league yeah. is going to happen, and we're going to see what happens. I, no. I don't expect the Braves to take a step back. I don't expect even him to take a giant step back from what he generally is. I just don't think he'll be the guy that he was in 2023. When the season's over, we're going to come back to this episode, and then it's going to be deleted because you're, you're going to go back and delete it because you're like, oh, I didn't so say that. I don't know what you're talking about. There are going to be so many things that we're going to have to come back to. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's just how it works because this is the prediction business. It's fantasy baseball. I mean, mm -hmm. we're going to be wrong about 90% of what we talk about. Just kidding, everyone. Still listen. It's going to be really good. <laughs> we're going to be right all the time. Uh, all right, sleepers. Go ahead. More guys that we can potentially. These are even better. We're taking risks on these guys. We'll definitely yeah. be right about those. Here are 
are your sleepers. Go ahead. One of my favorite picks, and part of the reason why, if I if I don't get a first baseman early, I hate this pick. By I'm the way. fine waiting. I love it. It's Vinny Pasquantino. It's the beautiful name. It's the you know the name is that's, perfect. That's the only reason. Yeah. He is his nickname. Do you know what his nickname is? The, I, Itali- I don't know. the Italian breakfast. Oh, it's just beautiful. I love like, it. It's great, right? And so the reason so being from new jersey i I, i'm sorry to say that i hate the pick it's crazy no that's fine i I get it you know you're just wrong um he came into so his adp right now is 170 he came into the league last year and he was like this hyped guy like his prospect status was like elite like he was one of the next guys in the league and he came in and he tore his labrum um a few games into the season last year that's why his price is so low now and I, I'd be lying to say that I'm not scared of the shoulder injury. Like we've seen guys come back from elbow, Bryce Harper, Shohei Otani, like they get Tommy John or their elbows out. They come back and mash, but shoulders a little bit scarier. Like Tatis has taken some time to kind of get his footing back after his shoulder. There's just, there's more going on in the shoulder. And so the torn labrum does scare me a little bit. He's not in the greatest park, right? I mean, it's one of the worst parks in baseball for power. But this is why I think he's he's a sleeper. The Royals, I think, are sneaky good. I, I've done an episode with them or covering them, and I think they are going to be a good offense. I think. So you think like all of a sudden the worst division in baseball is just turning into the best division in baseball? No, no. Like you love the AL Central. The AL Central is consistently awful. I'm I'm not saying I love the AL Central. I'm saying this team could win because what I think they won 57 games last everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah, you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sure, I wouldn't be surprised if they plus 20, plus 25 that total this year. Like, I mean, yeah, they get, no, you're right. They set the bar so low that if they outperform it by 15 games, it would be incredible, but they'd still only win like 75 games. Yeah, I got you. No, we'll we'll have to see this one because I I have huge faith in them. I think they're they're doing all the right things. But anyways, yeah, Royals are going to be sneaky good. He hits the ball hard. He's got a very high exit velocity. And the thing that I love about him is his floor is so tremendously high. He had an eleven percent strikeout rate and just a nine percent or and a nine percent walk rate. That's a two percent difference. That's phenomenal. He had an XBA of two eighty two. I just this guy's floor is so high. He just needs to prove the power is going to be back without the shoulder issues. I think I see if I see some healthy Vinny P in spring training, I think his draft pick draft stock is going to go up. And I think that's 170 is going to look like a steal. So his stock was really high last year and I took him and that's why maybe I'm a little mm-hmm. upset. You know, he burned me last year. He was really just I had to cut him at some point, I think, or I just, you know, it was that like kind of cut bait with him. Right. He he was supposed to be great and then he just wasn't and it really bothered me um so that's that's kind of where i feel on that um but you're right he's young enough that he could turn it around and probably should turn it around and th- he maybe last year was that year that i always talk about though that second full year where guys kind of fall off a little bit 
Um, and he was having that. Now I did tell you, I had some notes on my phone, so I was going to be looking down. I didn't tell you I was going to be eating some grapefruit also, but, uh, sorry. If it's, if I know if I'm interrupting you too much. No, no, no. Um, my sleepers. And I like my first one. I like the second one. I love, uh, one is Josh Naylor because I think he had a really good year. He had, if you look at his numbers across the board, they're like Harper esque. you know what I mean? He steals bases for a first baseman. His average is solid. He's solid in every category. And he's not getting the love as some of the other guys. I know you have him like 10th or 11th. Um, I think he could be right there. Like, again, I'm totally out on Vlad Guerrero Jr. Just because, you know, I'm a Yankee fan mostly. Or even a Cody Bellinger who we could talk about for outfield. We could talk about him here. You know, another guy who had a huge monster year and a contract year. Now, Cody Bellinger gets a one-year deal and that's what he ends up signing. Sure. You know, put him on the all-contract year guy list. But if he doesn't, I think Josh Naylor kind of goes under the radar and could be better than uh, Christian Walker, better than Acasas or Bellinger or Vlad or a bunch of those guys and could be, you know, maybe not top five, but maybe the sixth best uh, first baseman this season. Yeah, I think it's a good pick. I I don't put him, I don't think he'll be better than Casas or Torque, but he, you know, he, he hits the ball really well. He, he's got a great profile. I think he's got a good profile at first base. Cleveland's going to be an okay team. I think that's a good pick for you. And then the last one is Ty France, another guy who his numbers got better at the end of the year, but really struggled. And he plays a ton. I think he played 158 games last year. He's still so young when you look at that. And his ADP, this is a deep sleeper because his ADP, I think I see it at, at like 300 something. He's only, yeah, yeah, he's, um, he's only rostered in like 12% of Yahoo leagues as of, you know, as of now. So this guy is not even getting rostered. And if you looked at his advanced stats, they well outperform his actual stats. He was awful last year. There's no denying that. But if he can get back to his 2022 number, something closer to that in a lineup that I think could be sneaky good in the Mariners lineup could have some real guys in that lineup. I think Ty France could be one of those guys that maybe you even pick up after the draft, right? Waiver wire type guy, you pick him up and could end up being your corner infielder for the whole season. I think Ty France could have a really good year this year. Yeah. I think that's where I would value him as, is one of those corner infield spots. Um, I I've never been a Ty France guy. I just, I don't think he, he brings enough. I mean, obviously a pick 350, you know, like you said, maybe he's on waivers or, you know, one of your last bench spots you throw into a corner infield. And I, I do like that the Mariners seem to be dedicated on improving their offense, right? They've made a few additions. We'll see. I mean, the a problem though, I think too, is he's not going to get, I mean, he's going to have to play first base every day, right? I mean, he's not going to have to DH or get to DH with the addition of Mitch Garver. And also I'm a little scared by the signing of Luke Raley. Now I know they have Rayleigh penciled in left field, but if Rayleigh's mashing, if if Ty France struggles, I'm just I'm seeing too many opportunities for him to get pushed out. I don't think it's a bad pick at all. I'm just someone to keep your eye on for sure. And I think if the opportunity is there again, like I said, 158 games last year. If it's if yeah. it's there again, I like him, and that's kind of what I'm basing it on. That I just don't think you know you, you expect things to come back to the means. Like his his advanced stats, like I said, were better out well outperformed his stats um and if if everything comes back to the average then you expect him to be a lot better it's so funny because people talk about uh east coast bias all the time but i'm pretty sure you have uh midwestern bias you love the reds you love the royals the tigers i mean 
you have Midwestern bias. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm 100% you mentioned the AL Central. I'm, sure, right. Yeah, yeah um, I'm never going to change my mind on that ever. Uh, <laughs> so tell us what you got for your prospects. It's now time for another segment that is still unsponsored. Vinny's Prospect Reports brought to you by Nobody. Go ahead. Yeah, so thanks to the sponsor for sponsoring us. Um, appreciate it, Nobody. My first one is a pretty popular one in the prospect world. It is Kyle Manzardo. He's going at pick 397, which feels like way too low. Although I get why, right? He hasn't played. Dude, are there drafts before. out there that have 397 picks? I just have to ask. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's see. This, What's the this draft right that? here goes down to 750. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, we're playing some playing some deep leagues over here. Um, I mean, if, if you have a 25-man roster, which I think is a lot, right? Is that a lot? Like, you usually have, like... Ours in our league is 20, 22 starting 22, and then six, six brat bench. Really? That's so 28. Uh, feels, yeah, I guess we're only in a Still, 12 be like, that's three thirty. That's three thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this so is I knew, 390. You know, 15 teamers. <laughs> if you have a 15, <laughs> yeah, I guess teamer, so. yeah. Mm-hmm. no, you're right. 390 is low. Yeah. That's a lot. All right, go ahead. So yeah, I mean, Manzardo for some of those 15 team leagues as your last pick or a corner again, maybe another quarter infield. I would rather have him over, over Ty France, but again, maybe that's just my prospect luck or my love or my Midwest love. No, that's um, fine. Who does he play for? He plays for the Cleveland Guardians. He is going to be the first baseman there this year. He's kind of got that position locked and loaded. They're going to give it to him. He's so that's another reason why I like him is because it's kind of like his position to lose. Um, he came over in the Aaron Savali trade when they traded him over to the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. So the the cleveland guardians you know what happens when tampa trades guys they seem to always get better after the trade yeah and i hope my sarcasm is translating yeah tampa knows how to develop players and and find players And when they're done with them they trade them away i okay i mean maybe yeah who who are you referring to in particular it just feels like every time a guy's reaches prime and then tampa trades him away the guy gets worse not better right i mean i don't know more like i mean we've seen it with starting pitchers over the years right with garza and shields and price and kind of blake snell but then blake snell kind of came back so not really blake snell but chris archer um yeah i mean those are just a lot of pitchers right yeah yeah a a lot lot of of guys who are really good on tampa and then were really bad elsewhere i i have high hopes for manzardo i think he has out of all of the prospects that come up i think he has a very safe floor so i would feel comfortable taking him i think he is going to outperform his 397 adp we will see. That is my first first call out. My second Excuse one. Me. Oh God! Hmm? Oh, go ahead. Since we mentioned Tampa for a second, uh, Yandy Diaz, mm-hmm. like guys like that who just I feel like we talk about biases. There's an anti bias when it comes to Tampa. Like they're they never have big names, and then you look at their numbers, and these guys are ridiculously good. What do you think about guys like that? There's another name that I'm blanking on right now, but Yandy Diaz is one of those guys who's like. Oh my God, this guy has ridiculous numbers and people just don't look at him because he plays for the Rays. Yeah, I think Yandi, he he's like a he reminds me of a Cabrian Hayes, like on steroids. Like like Cabrian Hayes is Yandi Diaz light. Yandi Diaz is a phenomenal hitter. He he hits the ball super hard. He's got a great plate approach. He does everything you want out of a hitter. The problem though is we we play fantasy baseball, right? And he hits the ball so hard, but he hits it on a line. And so that's kind of the problem is he doesn't get enough loft to really see that power explode. Now, 
last year he hit 22 home runs, which is a career high by a pretty wide margin. So um, with a 5.7 degree launch angle, there's just, even if he hits the ball super hard, there's no way he's going to hit 22 again. I just, I don't see it. So maybe that's it, but he's a very good high floor play. Um, I think Yandy Diaz is a good call out. Um, Where's he? He's going at 130, right around Salvador Perez. I mean, I'd rather have him than Sal, but yeah, I think that's a fair price for him. What are your thoughts on Yandy? No, I just, I think I was just, I was curious your thoughts because in general, I think we don't talk enough. And it always seems like they're always in it. They always have a good team. They always have a solid roster. And maybe they'll take a step back, obviously, um, this year a little bit. And I think that's what's expected. But, I mean, across the board, they're pretty good. And they have some guys that when you look at their numbers, you're like, hey, these guys are actually better than, you know, the name, household names uh, that we're used to seeing. But I, I interrupted your prospect report and the sponsorship. No, that's be okay. Mad, so please I, continue. I love the the sidetracks, the, the, yes. the tangents. That's where we learn stuff and then tangents. That's my brain, in case you're wondering, in a nutshell. <laughs> Everything reminds me of something. And then I just, yeah. Um, my second prospect report pick is Michael Bush who just got traded again. Here's my, you're going to love this NL central bias here because all of my guys are NL central guys. Um, Michael Bush is his ADP before getting traded to the Cubs was 481. Now, just since that trade and since February 1st, his ADP has gone up a hundred picks at 391. And I think that's only going to go higher as the season gets closer. The big problem with Michael Bush is he doesn't play defense at a high level. So the Cubs are typically a defensive first team. They like to have a good defense. So that could cost him some playing time, but his offensive numbers are so good that I almost just don't care, especially at that price at 390. Um, he had 150 WRC plus in 98 games last year in AAA. So dude knows how to hit. Um, and his poor MLD, MLB debut, he had 81 plate appearances. I'm not going to take any stock into that. I'm not worried about him at the MLB level. I think he's ready. I think he was blocked by the Dodgers organization. Michael Bush, one to watch out for at 391. Probably going to go a little bit higher. Um, and then my last prospect guy, another NL Central dude, um, Lucan Baker. So I, I, if my friend Tyler's listening, Tyler, I owe you an apology Tyler drafted Luke and Baker in one of our dynasty startups. And I kind of was like, who the heck is this dude? Like, I, I don't know every prospect. I'd never heard of this guy. Sounds like well, Tyler should be co-hosting the podcast. You're absolutely right. <laughs> because I looked at some of this, this guy's numbers, this guy put up video game, like throughout the entire season last year, he put up video game numbers, the 334, 439, 720 slash line, seven. 20 slugging percentage he had 33 home runs in 84 games struck out 20 percent of the time walked 15 percent of the time those are great numbers he plays for the st louis cardinals i probably should have mentioned that that is the big issue he's behind paul goldschmidt right and we just talked about goldschmidt maybe having an age decline if goldley gets hurt at any point in the season the cardinals will be hard pressed not to bring up luke and baker i think luke and baker could have a huge impact this year he's not one that i'm gonna go out and draft or necessarily, you know, make trades for because Goldie has been so consistent for so long. Um, you know, he's going to play. The Cardinals pay him a lot of money. Um, so Lucan's going to have a hard time finding playing time, but definitely one to watch out for if Goldie gets hurt because he put up some ridiculous numbers last year. So Lucan Baker is my last pick. 
Michael Bush, and then Kyle Manzardo are my other two. And you think Baker's more of the type of guy that if you're not in one of those deep dynasty leagues, you could be looking at him like as, you know, hey, something's going on and, and you know, keep your eye on him throughout the season. Maybe pick him up off the waiver wires kind of yeah. a week or two before he's getting called up, be ahead of the curve. And then all of a sudden you have that guy who's, oh my God, who's this guy who's come on in the second half and is changing your season. That's the type of guy that uh, it sounds like he is. And Tyler better be listening to the podcast because you're a bad friend if you're not. So uh, that's how I feel about every one of my friends who's not listening right now. Now let's get to our tiers of, you know, guys, we put them all in tiers and then we do the top 10. That's how we do it with the position. So obviously we have the, the God tier. You have the upperclassmen here. You have potential studs. And then you're not so boring consistency. Those are your tiers for first base. Kick us off with tier one, the God tier. God tier is pretty, uh, pretty cut and dry for me. Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, and Bryce Harper. I'm sorry that you think Matt Olson is a is a dud, is a upper. I don't think he's a dud. You know, whatever, yeah. whatever. You, you, you. We know what you said. Um, I would just swap out contract year Pete Alonzo, and again, East Coast bias. I get it. But contract year Alonzo, who dealt with an injury and really derailed his season like for a while there. He came back too early. I saw him the day before he came back. He, I was at a charity event of his, and he had a cast on. And then the next day, he was out on the field playing. And we're like, wait, he had a cast yesterday. Why is he on the field today? And it's like, oh, he's fine now? No, he wasn't fine. He decided to come back after the minimum stint on the IL. Came back early. Struggled for a solid three weeks because of it. And he's not going to have that this year. So he's not going to miss time. He's not going to have to come back early. He's going to be healthy. Let me, let me ask you this then. Why move Matt Olson down? Why not? Why wouldn't you want to move Pete Alonzo up? Oh no. Olson down is because of the other things we talked about earlier. I just wanted to also go on a Pete Alonzo rant of why I think he's going to be, look, I've been at a couple of his charity events, really sweet guy, whatever, all that. And I think he's going to age poorly. And I think giving him a huge contract that the Mets are going to give him is stupid, but that, and I think they have to, and this is a whole other thing. I think the Mets have to pay him. They shouldn't pay him now. They should pay him at the end of the year. They shouldn't trade him in the middle of the year, even if they're doing poorly. He's the face of your franchise. This is why you have Steve Cohen now. I think they need to pay him. I think they should pay him. I do think they, the contract, I don't think he'll live up to the contract, but I think the first couple of years of the contract, he'll be really good. As far as fantasy baseball for 2024, because that's what this show is about right now, I think he's going to have an absolutely absurd season. And that's not bias. He's a quirky guy. He's a weird guy. He loves the Mets. All that stuff. If he gets traded in the middle of the year to a contender, that's even better for fan, for fantasy owners. So I think the Mets lineup is actually going to be better than it's been. I think Marte was hurt all year last year. I think he'll be better. I think Nimmo should be a little bit better than he was last year. And obviously McNeil had an awful year last year. He should be better. I, I think, uh, um, what's his name? Lindor was talking about how he was playing through an injury last year, which is crazy. Maybe he should be better. Look, I just think the Mets lineup as a whole is going to be better. I don't think Pete's going to get hurt. And I think in a contract year, he's going to put up similar numbers to what Olsen put up last year. Whereas Olsen, I think he's going to take a step back to what he's been. This is not me bashing Olsen or hating on Olsen or overvaluing Pete Alonso. I just think, you know, if, if these are the two guys and I'm holding up my hands and uh, Olsen's way, way up here and Alonso's way down here, I think they'll kind of pass each other like ships in the night, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alonzo will end up slightly ahead of Olsen. All right. All right. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, uh, Olsen, I've planted my flag. I, I, I'm team. I mean, Olsen. that was a lot there. Yeah. I get it. That's yeah. And, and your team, team Alonzo. That's fine. You know, that's what it is. We'll, we'll, 
we'll come back my to friends my, my friends in the group chat who they call me a closeted mets fan and tell them <laughs> they're wrong um i love well, after, i love the mets look but after listening to this yeah they're gonna you're just gonna hear that i know more more. well luckily my friends are bad friends they don't listen to the podcast so <laughs> I, I won't get any crap from them all right go ahead with the uh upperclassmen tier and i can't believe the top guy in this tier is so crazy because this is you hate this guy so much. I don't know how you're putting him fourth <laughs> overall as your first baseman, but go for it anyway. Yeah, it is the lowly Pete Alonzo in this tier. Oh I, God, I crazy. I should have bumped him down maybe, but yeah, no. Alonzo does have the top of upperclassmen tier along with Vladdy and Bellinger. Um, and I know you're pretty low on Vladdy as well. Um, but yeah, I do have those three in tier two. Um, potential studs, tier three, I have Casas and Torque. I think those are the only two that belong in that tier. And I think they could very easily become upperclassmen or god tier. Um, each of them, I think they're both phenomenal players. Where do you see Bellinger um, signing? Uh, I, I have no idea, and I have absolutely no idea. And the thing that I just heard the other day that kind of scares me is apparently he's okay going into the season being unsigned. That's wild, and, and this is something to me that. It, when is the turn going to happen on Scott Boris? It has to come at some point, right? Well, the problem, though, is I, he's a player's agent. Like the players love him because he's he's still. But at one to point, do they turn money. on him? I get it, but at some point, it's like these guys are behind. These guys aren't getting signed. He obviously, you saw the report that came out today. He doesn't talk to the general managers. Mm-hmm. He goes straight to the owners, and a lot of general managers feel undermined by him, and so they don't deal with him. Like. At some points, like this is ridiculous. Every player of his goes to free agency. None of them sign the extension before they hit free agency. And they all keep flocking to him. I don't understand it because at some point you got to look at him and be like, he's not getting the best for us at some right? I I think it depends. I don't think we can tell that answer right now. I think we have to wait to see how some of these signings go because Snell is his guy, Matt Chapman, um, Cody Bellinger. We got to see how those signings go because... I think all of them command a pretty high, pretty high contract. So, um, yeah, upperclassmen tier two: Alonzo, Vladdy, and Bellinger. Tier three: Casas and Torque. And then tier four, I labeled not so boring consistency um, guys who are consistent but still going to give you quite a bit. And I think that is Christian Walker, um, Josh Naylor, and Yandy Diaz. And Naylor is not going to lose playing time in uh, when you talked about earlier with. Uh, I forget who it was. Was it Manzardo who's in Cleveland? Yeah. So I think Naylor is slotting in. I mean, he's still eligible as a first baseman, but I want to say he's slotted in as right field. Um, let me double check that so before we say, because so then, I mean, then at that point, you're looking at first base outfield and outfield eligible. eligible so that helps him a little bit. I mean, the same with Bellinger, right? So actually, they actually show him at dh and they have ramon okay. oriano in right field which is kind of surprising we'll see but yeah manzardo is their first baseman and then naylor dh does harper still have uh outfield eligibility in- i don't think so because i don't think he Got played it. at all last year i don't think right. he played any outfield yep that yeah. makes sense all right so if you're giving your overall top 10 list let's hit it top 10 last time we did nine to or 10 to one so go for it yeah so we'll start at 10 i I, I put these guys both on here because I think they're very similar. And I, I if you took one of 10, I'm not going to blame you. And I want to get both their names in. So I do have Josh Naylor and Yanti Diaz tied at 10. 
10th, 11th, um, whatever you want them to be. Um, number nine, I have Christian Walker. Number eight, Spencer Torkelson. Number seven, Tristan Casas. Number six, Cody Bellinger. Number five, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Number four, the horrible, atrocious, no good, very bad Pete Alonzo. Number three, Bryce Harper. Number two, the amazing, wonderful magician guy, Matt Olson. And then number one, we didn't talk about him at all, but he deserves some love, Freddie Freeman. Like one of the greatest hitters of our generation and just consistently doing it, hitting 330, like one of the best lineups in baseball. Give Freddie Freeman his flowers. He deserves that number one ranking. Yeah, and Freddie Freeman, I mean, if you took him second overall in your fantasy draft, no one would blink. Like, everyone would be like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, he's that good of a player. And yeah, you're right, because I thought this was one of the most more thorough episodes we've done covering this position. And we didn't talk about the best guy only because it's like almost boring with Freddie Freeman. He's that freaking good. Like, he's that much better than anyone else. He's so good. He's in the best lineup in baseball. You know he's going to get on base a ton. You know he's going to have the production with RBIs and runs. He's going to hit home runs. The dude is everything you could possibly ask for. And he's the model of consistency. He's been that his whole career. Uh, so I don't expect that to change any time. Vlad Guerrero Jr., up and down, not really. People love him and then they hate him. I obviously have the bias with, you know, being a Yankee fan. I think he's overrated. You have him at number five. Give me a minute on Vlad. What do you expect from him this year? I expect Vlad. So I, I think he got a little unlucky last year. Um, I think he's a great hitter. I think it was, I mean, I don't know what was, I think there was some water weirdness in Toronto. Everyone kind of played well, but not to where the level that we would expect them to normally play. Like, oh, Bichette is another one. Like he had a quote down season. He still had a phenomenal season, but I think the same goes for um, Vlad Jr. And I wanted to pull up his numbers too. I don't have them up right now, but two seconds and here they are. Um, I mean, if a down year for him is 26 home runs and 94 RBIs, I'm going to take it. He has yeah, you know, I'll take two, it. 270 good. batting average. Um, he only strikes out 15% of the time. And another good thing that you know I love is he plays every day. He's played at least 156 games last three years. So he's going to play. He's going to get close to, I think he'll at least get about 90 runs this year and then probably around 100 RBIs again. It's just I I think people expected him to light the world on fire in like he did when he hit, you know, 48 home runs in 2021. I just don't think that is the case, but I think 30 home runs and 100 plus RBIs is not well within the cards, but I think that's probably the expectation I have for him. All right. Any last notes on first base as we wrap up today's episode? I think just first base has a lot of good value across the board. Um, there are some question marks, which we covered. Um, like, you know, Paul Goldschmidt, I think is a big question mark. We'll see where he ends up. Um, you know, there's some, there's some guys that have something to prove, right? Bellinger is another one that depends on where he lands, right? That's another question mark. He could end up on a really bad team. He could end up on a really good team. We don't really know. So I just want to say, if you're picking a guy that has a question mark, make sure you're at least getting a good value on him. Like if you really love Paul Goldschmidt, don't take him at his price, but if he falls 15, 20 picks or a couple rounds and you want to take him, that's fine. Just make sure that you mitigate your risk elsewhere. Right? So just being balanced with your draft, which is what I'll preach throughout all of these episodes. It's very important to be balanced and, you know, again, win the league on the waiver wire, be very vigilant in trades and 
knowing what your team needs and stuff like that. So I think that's where you win leagues. If you're drafting, I want to be safe. I want to have a good floor and potential for more. What do you think of guys drafting ahead of those March 20th overseas games, uh, specialty games, whatever, where there's two games and there's like 10 days off before the actual season starts. Are you drafting before those games? Are we drafting before those games? I didn't even ask you. Um, like to me, it doesn't make any sense. Like draft after the games. I don't know. Um, yeah, we'll be, we'll be. So I don't know if you actually read the rules on this one. Sorry. Um, we actually do a slow draft in our league and I, I don't know if you've ever done a slow draft or if you even know what a slow draft is, but now essentially it, me. Yeah. It, it, so, and this is how I prefer to do fantasy baseball because I think it's just, it, it allows for people to be more involved and you don't end up with like two teams that are auto drafted because that just always seems to happen. Right. And so essentially in a slow draft is each player, each person has like four hours to pick. That's like their time limit. And typically, you know, they don't take four hours, but um, you know, we start the draft and it'll take maybe a week or two, depending on how fast people are going. And, you know, you make like a couple picks a day, you put people on your queue and yeah. So that's the slow draft is essentially like you kind of pick at your leisure. Um, you know, maybe you can take your time and think about, Oh, well, I'm going to ruin some people's team. draft by drafting at two o'clock in the morning when I'm working an overnight and then they're going to have, they're going to wake up at six o'clock in the morning and their turn's going to have passed. <laughs> no, nope. There's a, there's a sleeping time so 8 oh. p.m between 8 p.m and 8 a.m i think or something like that there's like a, so i'm definitely a window. screwed on this draft because that's when i sleep god we'll have to uh that's that's a good point maybe we can adjust that we'll a adjust bit or something yeah. or um yeah we'll, we'll figure something out because i'll yeah, let you auto draft for me i'll give you my login unless you You're sabotage me. i'm giving you matt olson <laughs> first pick first i'll pick. take matt olson i love matt olson <laughs> All um, right, uh, we got to wrap this up. But yeah. until next time, everyone, please like, subscribe, share the podcast with a friend. Uh, we appreciate you for listening. If you do, you are a friend. And if you don't, you are a bad friend. Uh, so we appreciate everyone who does listen. I hit a parlay tonight on the Rangers game. Thank you very much. Igor Shesterkin looked like he was back to himself, uh, which was great also. And so the Rangers are going on a cup run. I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, all right, until next time, like and subscribe, everyone. We'll talk to you all later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.